Inside this room, all of my dreams become realities. Why can't I say that word? The following program is intended for mature audiences. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we're returning to the topic of relationships. I've talked about it before, and I told you I'd talk about it again, and here we are. I think it was last season that I was talking about relationships a bit, and I talked about infatuation and the difference between infatuation and love and promised you that I'd talk about it again in the future. Well, the future is now. So we're going to talk about that today. We're also going to give some more tips about how to maintain a good relationship. I know, I'm not a tip guy. I'm a story guy. But you know what? Through my life... My experiences that give me these stories have also given me some information that I figured I'd pass along to you. We could call it a story about relationships, or we could just say we're talking about relationships, so that's what we're doing. The reason I wanted to talk about this today, relationships are part of our everyday lives. I mean, everybody either is in a relationship, or wants a better relationship, or wants to get out of a bad relationship, for the most part. I mean, if I hadn't met Mrs. Gamer Dude, I'd be a hermit somewhere, living on a cliff all by myself. But I was fortunate enough that I found somebody who actually likes me and also loves me. And so I'm going to talk about why that's important. And we'll get to that in the second part of the episode. But the first thing I wanted to talk about is infatuation. Infatuation is mistaken for love all of the time. And I know this to be true because I did it. When I was a kid, and this is true for most kids. And by kids, I'm meaning 10, 11, 12, sometimes 15, 16, 17. When you're a kid, when you fall in love, oh, I'm in love. I love him. Oh, I love her. When you fall in love, 99 times out of 100 is infatuation. And my mother actually sat me down and explained this to me when I was a kid. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I fell in love a couple of times relatively young. But my version of love was, oh, I want to be with her. That was love to me because I didn't know any better. You know those early teen years when your hormones are crying out for another set of matching hormones? And I had it doubly hard when I was a kid because I was the fat kid. And I was the nerd. And I was one of those smart kids. So it wasn't even doubly bad, it was triply bad. I had three strikes against me going anywhere. The popular girls, and even the unpopular girls, didn't want to have anything to do with me. And it was really hard for me to understand. I'm nice. That was my thought. I'm nice. What's wrong with me? And so you're, you're a teenage boy, you're desperate to find somebody to love you, and I was desperate to find somebody to love, and really what it was, for the most part, was my hormones calling out and going, oh, help me, please. One of the first girls I was in love with was my friend's sister across the street. And as a typical teenage boy, what I was most attracted to was her, shall we say, physical attributes. Now, guys notice girls, girls notice guys, and we notice the physical. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm not trying to be misogynistic. I'm not trying to objectify women. I'm not trying to objectify men. I'm just saying physical attractiveness is one of those things that especially teenage boys latch on to. And boy, did I latch on to her physical attractiveness. Now, it's my friend's sister, so I'm certainly not going to do anything about it. You know, that's part of the guy code. You don't go after your friend's sister. Oh, but my hormones were calling out to me, let me tell you. And so I went and talked to my mom about it. I talked to my mom because I could talk to my mom about things like that. I couldn't talk to my dad about things like that. That's partly a generational thing. That's partly my dad's personality as well. I could talk to my dad about changing the oil or mowing the lawn. 
When it came to talking about girls, there was just something about that stern demeanor of his that was kind of off-putting. I was afraid to talk to him about girls. I don't know why. But my mom was a girl. I figured she'd understand. So maybe she'd have some pointers for me or some tips. And so I asked her, I asked her what I should do because I thought I was in love with my friend's sister. And the first thing she said was, you're not in love. It's infatuation. My first reaction to that, what the hell is that? It's love, damn it. I know, mom. No, it's infatuation. When I was a girl, we called it puppy love, but it's infatuation. And I guess that's what puppy love is. The old phrase was puppy love. The technical phrase is infatuation. But I really didn't know what that meant. Until one day I was reading the newspaper. Yes, back in the days of newspapers. And it was around this same time. I don't remember exactly when. I don't exactly remember how old I was. But I remember reading Dear Abby. For those who don't know, Dear Abby and her sister, Ann Landers, had advice columns in all of the newspapers. And they would give advice on social problems, dating problems, marriage problems. If you know Dear Prudence, for instance, very, very similar, except in the newspaper. And you could send letters off to Ann Landers and Dear Abby and get answers, supposedly. And I remember years ago, she published a column called Love or Infatuation. And it was so good, I cut it out. I remember cutting it out, and I remember carrying it around with me so that I could remind myself of the difference. Now, I don't know what happened to that cutout column. It's been gone for years. And I'm sure I could find it again if I looked online for it. It's there somewhere, but I decided not to because I figured it'd be better if I shared what I learned about infatuation based partly on what I remember of that column and based partly on what I've actually done and experienced in my life. And I actually thought it was an important thing to talk about because sometimes you get so caught up in a relationship or what you perceive to be a relationship and you don't realize that perhaps, just perhaps, you might be barking up the wrong tree, wasting your time, spinning your wheels. Because what you think is a relationship, what you think is love, is little more than your hormones calling out to somebody. So I wanted to share some of my insights, and for whatever you can get out of them, here they are. Infatuation is like an instant attraction. There's no thought involved. You don't even know the person necessarily that you're infatuated with. It's one of those, oh, look at her type of moments. I want to marry her. The minute you see the person walk into the bar, the library, the post office, wherever you happen to be, kind of smacks you in the face. Oh, look at her. And you start fantasizing about, oh, what's it going to be like if we go to dinner? We go to the movies next week. We get married in six months. We have kids in a year. Your mind instantly starts going down this future path with this person you haven't even said anything to yet. You convince yourself in the first 30 seconds that you're going to have a relationship with this person and you'll live happily ever after. And you haven't said hello yet. That doesn't mean that you can't eventually fall in love with somebody who you see walk into the bar and go, oh, look at her. But love, real love, takes time. It takes some development. It takes some getting to know the person. It requires a conversation. It requires an understanding of the kind of person you're getting involved with. You get infatuated with an object, a, a thing that walks in the bar. You fall in love with a person, a human being, someone with interests and dreams and desires that you're aware of and you support. It's especially helpful if you actually like the person before you fall in love with them. Because there are going to be days where that person may make you crazy and you might not love, love, love them that day, but at least you still like them. If you're infatuated with that person and they're less than that dream that you put in your head when you saw them walk in the bar, yeah, you're going to have problems. 
With infatuation, you have this expectation of perfection. She walks in the bar, you see her in her slinky dress, in her stiletto heels, her perfectly coiffed hair, her perfectly applied makeup, and that's the image that you have for her for the rest of whatever. You don't picture the sick days. You don't picture bedhead in the morning. You don't picture her after her workout. You always want that image. That's what infatuation requires. And anything less than that image undermines the relationship, undermines what you have in mind for that person. You have this image of beauty, pleasant conversation, no zits, no moles, no nothing. She's perfect. That's infatuation. Love involves accepting the person with the bedhead, on the sick days, with the zits, and the moles, and the blemishes, with or without makeup. Because love is supposed to last your life. That's the way we picture it. A real love is a long-term plan. Infatuation involves a snapshot in time. That's the image. That's the image you always will have. That's the way she should be. Love recognizes that we grow, that we change. Love recognizes that I'm going to lose my hair at some point. I'm going to develop love handles. I'm going to want to eat garlic chicken for dinner. Love accepts that. And the concept of love is something that goes beyond just this snapshot. It persists. It's ongoing. It's evolving. It grows. Love just lasts. There's no expiration date. It just is. Infatuation involves kind of an obsession. You want to know where they are. You want to know where they're going. You want to know what they're wearing. You want to know who they're going with. Why are they doing this? Why are they going there? What time are you going to be back? You need to know. Infatuation has almost a stalkerish quality to it. You have to be there. You have to know. You might want to put a tracker on the phone. Just so you know. Just to be safe. Love doesn't involve any of that. You have a comfort level with each other. You have a trust with each other. You don't care where she goes, who she's going with. I mean, you care, but you don't care, if you know what I mean. It's important that you know that she's safe, but if she's going with her high school roommate, her best friend from college, her mom, her sister, whoever. All right, honey, have a good time. If that's not your response, you might have a problem. If you're infatuated with somebody, you sometimes act crazy. You do crazy things. You're irrational. You put that tracker on their phone. You follow them to the club. You try to get a look at the text messages. Because you want to make sure what they're doing. Because you're really, really, really obsessed with them. When you're in love with somebody, you don't do those crazy things. Love actually makes you feel calmer. It makes you feel comfortable. Don't get me wrong. There's passion when you're in love. But the passion is a different kind of passion. There's an intimacy to it. There's a depth to it that just isn't there with infatuation. Yeah, infatuation, sure, it involves hot animal sex, but so does love. And the difference with love is that it means something, and it takes some effort to get to that point where it means something. There's a longevity to it when you're in love that doesn't exist when you're just infatuated with somebody. Being infatuated with somebody is that perfect image of the person who walked into the bar. Whether you saw her walk into the bar, or you saw him delivering UPS packages, or it was the clerk in the shopping center. Wherever that infatuation hooked you, that's the idea that you're in love with. Oh, I love that image of him, her. Love accepts that person no matter what. Whether they're in the nightclub clothes, the delivery clothes, the gardening clothes. Love involves being in love with the real person. Not the idea of what that person should be in your fantasy world. Infatuation involves the idea that our relationship is perfect. 
Everything in our world is perfect. Our love is perfect. There are no problems. And when problems arise, that presents some difficulties to the relationship. Love recognizes that the relationship isn't perfect, that love isn't perfect, that your partner isn't perfect. But it doesn't matter because you accept that person as they are, the way they are, with all their flaws, with all their imperfections, because everybody has them. God knows I outkicked my coverage when I met Mrs. GamerDude because I recognize my long list of flaws and shortcomings. And so does she and loves me anyway. That's what love is about. And that leads me into what I wanted to talk about next. As I mentioned in the other podcast episode about relationships, I've had a few. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. And I've learned a lot from those relationships. And as I said, if I hadn't met Mrs. GamerDude, I'd be a hermit on a cliff somewhere or in a cave on an island. Because relationships are hard work. When you're in love with somebody, it's a great feeling. But it's not a thing that you can be in love without some work. It doesn't just stay that way. Being in love is not like a fly in amber. It's not just frozen in time. A true good relationship involves work. Love involves work. You have to put in some effort to make the love last. And the reason that I mention this is... When Mrs. GamerDude and I watch some of the shows that we watch, we see how people treat each other, whether it's on a reality show or on a news show or on an old TV show. The way people talk to each other who are supposed to be in love, the way they treat each other, it just amazes me. I'm not saying you shouldn't disagree with your spouse. I'm not saying that at all. Two people in a relationship are going to have two different sets of viewpoints. They're going to have different opinions about things. Some things you're going to agree on and some things you're not. And being in love involves working through those places where you disagree. Compromising, taking turns, whatever it is. You go over those rough spots together and you work them out. But you don't yell at each other. You don't say nasty things to each other. You don't call each other names. You don't sabotage each other. You don't say icky things to your friends about her. And you wouldn't expect her to say icky things to her friends about you. You support each other. That's what being in love, that's what being in a relationship is supposed to be about. You support each other. So you have to commit to that concept if you're going to be in a successful relationship. A lot of relationships start off with fire and passion, jumping on each other in the parking lot after the bar closes, or running barefoot in the park at two in the morning, or skinny dipping in the ocean together. But for any long-lasting relationship, any long-lasting love, those fiery little moments, they will pass. You'll get tired. You'll get old. You won't want to run to the park at two in the morning anymore. Trust me. Nine o'clock will roll around and you'll go, you feel like going out to the kitchen for a snack? Nah, let's just sit here for a while. So when you're in a relationship, when you're in a loving relationship, you have to understand that this is a long-term thing and it's going to take some work to make it last. It's going to have ups and downs. It's going to have twists and turns. Every day is not going to be a sunny vacation day. There's an old song, some days are diamonds and some days are stone. And that's true. So you have to recognize that. You're going to have to work on the relationship. Now, by working on the relationship, I don't necessarily mean that you have to have a sit-down session and talk to each other every night. So, what are you feeling? But it would be nice if you come home every day and say, so how was your day? And then listen to the response and respond appropriately. Oh, that's great for you. Or, oh, that sucks. Knowing that you might not be able to fix it, but also knowing that your partner needs to vent. That's not a big ask. You'd be surprised how many people think that it is. There are far too many people who I've heard say, Ugh, I have to go listen to her talk about her day again. Well, that's the point of being in a relationship, isn't it? 
you share your experiences, especially when you're apart. You go home to allow her to have a chance to talk to somebody, just like you go home and want to be allowed the chance to talk to somebody. That's what a relationship is all about. When I talk to Mrs. GamerDude about my day, I don't expect her to be able to fix anything, but it's nice to have somebody there to listen. So that's part of working on the relationship. We're not counseling each other. We're not going to therapy together for that. But what I'm doing is being there for her when she needs me and she being there for me when I need her. Even if that need is just, would you listen to me vent about my day, please? And she goes, okay. Working on the relationship, and I'm putting that in quotes, also involves remembering to be romantic. You guys fell in love for a reason. You showed each other how much you loved each other all during the courtship period. Don't forget to do that. You're together five years, 10 years, 15 years. It's okay to send flowers for no reason. It's okay to plan a date night, just the two of you. You got kids? Get a sitter. Ask your mom to stop and watch the kids while you take your wife out. But it doesn't even necessarily have to be a romantic gesture like that. Sometimes one of the most romantic things you can do is make sure the kitchen is cleaned up before she gets up in the morning. Sometimes it involves not leaving your underwear in the middle of the bathroom floor. When you remember to pick that up and put that in the hamper, that's showing you care. That's showing you're aware of her existence and her feelings that perhaps she doesn't like your wadded up jockey shorts in the bathroom. Another romantic thing you can do, spend time together. Well, we do that every night. Well, yeah, that's nice too. You can do that. Spend time on the couch together watching TV. That's good. Is she going to the supermarket? Go with her. Are you running errands to Home Depot? Ask her to go with you. Make a side trip for ice cream on the way home. But just spend time together. That's how you show your commitment to the relationship, your commitment to each other. That's how you work on the relationship. At the same time, it's okay to have your separate spaces too. She's allowed to have her hobbies just like you're allowed to have your hobbies. My hobby, as you all know, gaming. I love my gaming. I love my streaming. I love hanging out and playing games. And Mrs. GamerDude gets that. She doesn't mind at all. I mean, some guys go hunting, some guys go fishing, some guys spend all day at the golf course. Those are hobbies too. I know if any of those were my hobbies, Mrs. GamerDude would be fine with that because she knows that I need my time, just like I know that she needs her time. In a good relationship, you let the other person have their time to do their thing. And why do you do that? Because you love them and because you trust them. They're not going anywhere. If I was going to the golf course, I'd be going golfing. When Mrs. GamerDude goes to her yard sales, I know she's going to her yard sales. I know that. I don't care if she wants to go. Have fun. I go with her sometimes. I go to my auctions, and sometimes she comes with me. They're similar, but not the same. So I do my thing, and she does her things, and sometimes we overlap. But sometimes we let each other go do our things because we need the time to do our things. And that's okay. A couple of the other essential tips are all kind of tied together. Communication, honesty, and trust. These are all part of everything that I've talked about, really, but I figured it's important to mention them separately. You gotta be able to communicate with each other. If you can't talk to each other about what's bothering you, about what you want to do, about what you want to have for dinner, if you can't communicate about it, you're going to have problems. You don't have to agree about everything you communicate about, but you do have to talk about it. And let's just use dinner as an example. What would you like for dinner? I feel like Chinese. Well, if you don't feel like Chinese, say so. Don't just bury it and resentfully grumble, <laughs> Chinese again. If you don't feel like Chinese, say, could we do Chinese next week and maybe pizza tonight? And if she says, I'd rather do pizza next week, then okay, compromise. You like Chinese? Go have the Chinese tonight. 
Or if you have a sick stomach and you don't feel like you're going to be able to stomach the Chinese, then you say so. Honey, my stomach's not right. If you don't mind, can we skip the Chinese tonight? Now, you might think that's a stupid thing to worry about, but how many people bury that? How many people bury the fact that, (laughs) I'm sick and she's making me get Chinese? Well, did you say anything? If you didn't say anything, then that's on you, buddy. And that's just a stupid little thing to communicate about. You have to be able to communicate about everything. The kids' school, budgeting, vacations, how to handle your Aunt Selma as she's coming over for the weekend. You have to be able to talk about that stuff. And you have to be honest about it. If you can't be honest with the person that you're with, then you've got problems. Now, honesty doesn't mean brutally mean. When Aunt Selma is coming for the weekend, your approach probably shouldn't be, I can't deal with that bitch for three days. That's probably not the honest communication that you want. You might start with something along the lines of, you know, honey, Aunt Selma and I don't get along all that well. Is it okay if we put her in a hotel for the weekend? I would love to take her to dinner, but I need my space when she's here because she makes me crazy. That's honest communication without being insulting to poor Aunt Selma, who might be your spouse's favorite aunt. But that's what I mean. Communication, honesty, expressing yourself in words rather than stomping around like a sullen five-year-old who's told they can't have any more cookies. That's not the way to communicate. And I mentioned trust. You have to trust your partner. That's where the honesty in communicating fits in. You develop trust because you're honest with each other when you talk to each other. And the trust obviously extends beyond just being honest about your communications. It's being honest with your behavior. It's being honest with your treatment of the relationship. You don't violate that trust. You don't go talk bad about your spouse with your friends. You don't make ugly posts on Facebook. You don't say icky things on Instagram. Because trust is a huge part of any relationship. You trust your spouse to protect you, to be there for you, to always have your back. You have to extend the same courtesy. You have to protect them. You have to be there for them. You have to always have their back. There's an old phrase, it's me and thee against the world. In my opinion, that's the way a good, loving relationship should feel. It's me and thee against the world. If we've got each other, we can handle anything. And when you have good communication, good trust, a strong foundation based on love and respect and caring, nothing can stop you. Nothing can interfere with a relationship. It took me a while to get it right, but now that I've done it, man, it's worth the effort, let me tell you. Those are just some of the tips that I have for you based on a lifetime of experience. Believe me, that just scratches the surface. There are so many things that you need to do and that you should do to make sure that your relationship stays fresh, to make sure that your love stays strong, to make sure that your partner remembers how much you actually do love them. And you want to keep doing that stuff all of the time. They don't have to be grand gestures. You don't have to drop a baby elephant down on their birthday party and say, look what I did for you. But you do have to remember to show your love, to show your trust, to show your respect and your caring for your partner. If you do that a little bit every day, then you'll have a great relationship. Okay, Dr. Gamer Dude has spoken. Go out now and have great relationships. You're free to go. I know, right? What business do I have talking about this stuff? Well, you know, I've got a lifetime of experience. You can listen to it and absorb it and maybe learn from some of my mistakes. Or you can say, "Eh, that Gamer Dude, (laughs) what a jerk. Either way, I hope you had a good time today. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. As always, I truly appreciate all of the time that you spend here. 
Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.